in some ways, that's kind of like the parable. I mean, Jesus shares these stories with everyone. Yeah. They're memorable stories, simple to, to remember, but just like, you know, um, the, the, as you said, it kind of messes with you. Mm-hmm. It takes a while sometimes before maybe you even get the meaning of what, what that story is all about. This is Pastor John, and this is our podcast, Every Moment His, a podcast about how the gospel shapes every single moment of our lives. We take the sermon and we go a little bit deeper into how it applies to everyday life. Uh, Today, Pastor Tim is on vacation, and we have a very special guest with us. We have Pastor Rob Kiefner. Hi, John. How are you? Good, Pastor John. It's good to have you here from Trinity in Lexington, Nebraska. Correct. Yes. And you um, are a former pastor here at Holy Cross. Uh, what years were you here? I came in 2003 and uh, was here for nine years, 2012. I left in 2012, just, okay. r- just right after nine years of time. Now, I think you kind of have an I-80 ministry theme, right? Because you were in North Platte, and then you were in Kearney, and then now you're in Lexington. You know, other than seminary, my life's pretty well been along I-80 because I'm born in Des Moines. Okay. And I went to Seward and then um, obviously went to seminary in St. Louis. But my vicarage was in East Moline, Illinois, which is off of I-80. <laughs> and then wound up in North Platte, Kearney, and now Lexington. So, yeah. Right You're going to have to retire someplace on I-80 then, right? <laughs> yeah, we always talk about going back to Seward, so we'll see what happens. There you go. Well, good. And does anybody ever call you Pastor Kufner? Well, you know, my name gets butchered all the time. So um, Dean Hansen was really good about for years. He would do that. He would call me Pastor Goofner. Okay. But, um, yeah. Around the office, I, I said to the uh, folks in the office, I said, hey, Pastor Goofner is coming. <laughs> they thought that was funny. Yeah, uh, it's one of those German names. and You can say it maybe three yeah, different ways. Yeah, different way you want to say it. Yep. That's true of Rasmussen, too. Yeah. People say Rasmussen. Other people just butcher it completely, so it depends. Well, we are actually, uh, we have preached on the same text uh, here, Matthew chapter 13. Yep, pretty familiar text. It it comes up every year, doesn't it, in the lectionary? Yeah, it does. Either you get it in Mark, Luke, or Matthew. Yep. And so we're going to talk through a little bit of how we approach this sermon and uh, I'm just going to give a, a little overview of mine. So in my sermon that I preached, I, I was really asking the question as we go through this theme of rooted, uh, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have a faith that is a dead faith that's you know hard against God's word, doesn't receive the gospel? Uh, do you have a faith that is conditional, that I'll only be a Christian as long as this happens or doesn't happen? Do you have a compromised faith where the cares and the worries of the world are choking out the the fruit? Or do you have a saving faith, one that uh, continues with Jesus through all adversity uh, to the very end? Your sermon, as we discussed it earlier, you you preached on this whole theme of, uh, I think you talked about the generosity of the sower, right? Yeah, that, I mean that's my overall theme. Although I I'm going to incorporate in some pat the the entire text because the pericope leaves out verses ten through eighteen, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it helps to kind of set the stage for what the parable itself is all about. 
um, that what Jesus talks about in the middle there. But in the midst of that, the fact that, that boy, the, the sower just takes the seed everywhere and spreads it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that most people are somewhat familiar with this parable. Uh, they probably have heard it in Sunday school growing up. I mean, it's, it's all over in the Bible. Uh, what we might not be familiar with as much is the purpose of the parable. Uh, we might think, oh yeah, Jesus told nice stories that people could understand. But as we're going to talk about today, uh, most people didn't get it. And that was actually part of the point. And so uh, we're going to talk about this theme of what's the purpose of a parable? Why did Jesus speak so often in parables? In fact, in our reading for next week or the week after, I think it says uh, that Jesus only spoke to them in parables, parables. right? Yes, that's right. So I'm going to read verses 10 through 18. In in the reading that we had in worship, uh, I read verses 1 through through 9, which tells the parable, and then I read verses uh, 19 through 23, I think. Mm-hmm. which is the interpretation of the parable. But let's look at this middle section. Are You you included this in your readings? Yes. I, well, it wasn't uh, in the the reading of the, you know, that we do of the actual gospel. I split it up. But mm-hmm. right before the sermon, I included verses. I read verses 10 through 18. Oh, yeah. okay. Good. Yep. So let's read that now. So this is right after the parable spoken. It says, Then the disciples came to and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So that is the the portion of the gospel that's in the context, but is not included in our schedule of readings. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about the Old Testament background. Uh, because Jesus quotes Isaiah, right? So what's what's yeah. kind of the background going on there? Well, in I- Isaiah 6, it's, it's an interesting time in Israel's history because they'd had a king um, serve for, for well over 40 years. I don't remember how long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he dies. And, and there's this kind of, so who, who's going to reign over us? And, and Isaiah has this vision in Isaiah 6 that you know we've kind of call a theophany. That means a kind of this glory of the of God on the throne, and and it's kind of this powerful imagery of of hey, you don't need to panic because the the true King sits on the throne, mm-hmm. and and it's but it's at a time in the history of Israel when they have 
continue to seek after their own means of taking care of their future. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're, they're wanting to make alignments and, and agreements with others to try and protect them and, and to mm-hmm. fight off their enemies rather than to trust in the Lord. And, and they have continued to reject him. And, and that's where you kind of get these, these words here about how, you know, they, 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 they hear and yet they don't understand. They, I mean, all this, this continued presence of the Lord with them continuing to be at work in their lives, and yet they continue to, to turn their back against him. I think a prime example of that would be in chapters 7 and 8 where you have the character Ahaz who was the king who followed Uzziah, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Ahaz is this, uh, this powerful leader, and, and he's trying to make an alliance with Assyria. And the tricky thing there is, back then, I think if you made an alliance with a nation, you had to also acknowledge their gods. And so he wanted to, to draw in the power of Assyria to, to protect him against Syria, not Assyria, but Syria, and then the other uh, northern kingdom of Israel that was trying to attack them. And I, I remember hearing a quote once by, I think it was uh, um, Oswald is the last name. He wrote the the commentary for Roy Isaiah. I can't remember the first name. Hmm. But he says that, you know, anything that you trust in, anything that you devote yourself to that's not God will eventually turn and devour you. And so the idea here was that Isaiah pledged his allegiance to uh, to Assyria to protect himself, and then guess who comes? Or Ahaz, you mean? Or who did I say? Isaiah. Isaiah, okay. yeah, no, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah is the good guy in this story. He's he's <laughs> preaching the word. He's preaching the truth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Ahaz pledges himself to Assyria, and then Assyria comes, and rather than protecting Ahaz, uh, begins to turn on the kingdoms of Judah, and so I think we have a little bit of a a, a parallel here where Isaiah was preaching the word, Ahaz heard it, it was sowed to him, and he rejected it. And now the crowds, and especially the leadership of Israel, the Pharisees, scribes, and whatnot, they're hearing the word sowed to them, but they're not hearing. They're hearing, but they're not truly hearing, right? Right, they don't under- understand, as it mm-hmm. says. They, do- they can't perceive, you know. Um, their Their heart has grown dull. I mean, you talk about a an indictment against you, I guess, that... Yeah. That's not a good thing. Not at all. Yeah, and so, you know, I think this maybe corrects one of our potential misunderstandings that that a parable is a story that makes something more clear. Yeah, sometimes it really muddies the water a little bit more for you because you're you, you kind of sometimes I think you hear a story and and you think, Oh, I know where he's going with this. Mm-hmm. And and yet with a parable most of the time when Jesus tells a parable, the one that that kind of uh, the parable speaks to doesn't catch on at all, not until mm. much later sometimes even. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the parable, in, in my sermon I had mentioned that the parable is designed to mess with you. It kind of sneaks up on you because you, you understand the story. I mean, everybody back then could imagine this sower sowing seed, and they probably would have said, this is a not a very smart farmer because who would throw seed on packed down ground? Yeah, and that was, you know, kind of my point, some of my point in my message about the generosity of the sower because, yeah. you know, I don't think you're going to see a planter going down the, the you know, the road, um, a gravel road, 
you know, spreading out the yeah, seed. Probably not. You know, um, they're going to wait until they've got the soil all tilled and right mm -hmm. where they want it to be. And then, then you send the planter in and that's when you broadcast the seed. But, yeah. but not this sower. He goes everywhere with it. And, and in some ways, that's kind of like the parable. I mean, Jesus shares these stories with everyone. Yeah. They're memorable stories, simple to, to remember, but just like, you know, um, the, the, as you said, it kind of messes with you. Mm -hmm. It takes a while sometimes before maybe you even get the meaning of what, what that story is all about. It's, it's kind of designed to, to sneak up on you and reveal your heart. And all the parables really are about the kingdom of God. And I think the, the question of what it means to live in the kingdom of God, what it's like, but also do I belong to this kingdom? Uh, so for example, you have the parable of the tenants where you know, those who thought that the kingdom was theirs are told the kingdom would be taken away from them. And I think that yeah. the Pharisees perceive that Jesus told this parable about them or you have the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18 where the Jesus tells this parable to those who think that they are righteous and they look down on everyone else and if they have ears <coughs> excuse me if they have ears to hear the parable those who think they are righteous by the end of the parable will realize that they're not righteous yeah and or they won't understand it yeah they'll you just know. be like huh I mean, and, and I think, you know, if you think of all the different parables, I mean, there's times where um, sometimes it resonates with us in a way that we, it, it didn't at another time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the one that, that just comes, kind of comes to mind, we call it the prodigal son, which of course we know oh, is yeah. probably more, mm -hmm. more about the prodigal father who's spend lavishly, you know, right. showing grace and mercy to both of his sons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel like you're the prodigal son, and sometimes you feel like you're the, the righteous brother who stayed home and did everything that's right. Mm -hmm. And and you're feeling like, oh, I'm I'm good here. And then you have a right to and then all of a sudden it hits you, I'm I'm outside of the kingdom. I mean, I'm not in there celebrating and enjoying the mm -hmm. fact that my brother's been saved, you know? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so that's the power of the parables, I think, is is this ability to kind of um, fester and, and kind of just Get stuck inside of us. you. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of... Yeah. Pastor Tim made a comment in his sermon a couple of weeks ago. He said that the same... This is an old country, country proverb, uh, that the, the same sun that melts the snow hardens the clay. And the idea here is that, you know, I think a parable will either push you away from God or it will push you in deeper. And so you have some who will hear the parable and they'll scratch their heads and say, I don't get this Jesus guy. He doesn't live up to my expectations and they walk farther away. And maybe that parable will stay stuck in them and later do its redeeming work. But then you have others like the disciples, for example, they hear the parable, they're confused but their confusion pushes them deeper into to Jesus. To a relationship with yeah, him. Yeah, to say, can yeah. you explain this yeah. to me? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what, what he's getting at when he talks about here in this this quoting of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. um, that there's, you know, these ones who's, who hear it but never understand it. You know, they never perceive. Their their hearts have grown dull. I mean, there, there are people in the crowds, because this is at this point in time, you know, the crowds are just all around Jesus. And so they're hearing these stories, these parables. They're, they're, and yet a lot of them, 
they they don't understand it and they just walk away and and it and it just doesn't do anything they're just like nice story mm-hmm. you know and 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 yet there's others who who like the disciples or or others who hear this story and 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 it just it connects and it, it has this mm-hmm. power that that brings um, attention to um, where they stand before the Lord and, and they're convicted some of them and 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 they they realize yeah I I, I understand now what the kingdom of God is about because that's it reveals the kingdom to us right mm-hmm it reminds me of something I read this past week where the commentator was explaining that the parables are sort of like stained glass. So I'm, as we're recording here in our sanctuary, I can see our stained glass. And from the inside, it looks beautiful. The sun comes through. You can see all the different liturgical designs and symbols. But if you stand on the outside, it just looks black or gray. Yeah, you know, that's it's a great analogy. I Actually, if we were sitting in my sanctuary at Trinity, um, w- we have parables for the windows. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, so we actually that. have this one. And, and every once in a while, I've, I've, I've actually kind of left the pulpit mm-hmm. and walked down to, you know, when we're doing that parable and kind of, oh, right. you know, mm-hmm. highlighted it and stuff. It works okay if it's sunny outside. <laughs> it's yeah. coming through. The yeah. dark, in the, my Saturday night service, sometimes I just have to put it up on the screen. To, so they yeah, can put see it up it on the screen. Looks like when the sun's shining through. Yeah. Well, the idea here is that if you're standing on the outside of God's kingdom, then these parables look, they just look bland. They don't make any sense. But if you're standing on the inside of the kingdom, like the disciples, uh, they are illuminated by the Holy Spirit and we are able to see their true meaning. And we see them even more clearly as we go on. So Jesus says the one who doesn't have, who doesn't understand, eventually even that will be taken away. Yeah. But those who do have, who do begin to get it, that they will begin to understand more, that more will be given to them. Yeah, and and that's why he, he tells them, blessed are your eyes for they see and your, mm-hmm. your ears for they hear. And, you know, but I think, that's one of the struggles maybe a little bit with us and parables is this idea of, okay, um, the, and that's what the disciples are struggling with. Why, why, you're, why are you using these parables? Um, and, and it seems like, well, gosh, is that really fair to, to kind of tell a story that, that, you know, somebody who already doesn't understand, they're not going to understand further, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's, but again, I think, because of the type of a story that the parable is, yeah, it has that potential. I mean, and, and this is just something that I just kind of thought on the spur of the moment. But you know, they've taken seeds from um, pyramids in Egypt mm-hmm. that have sat there dead for centuries mm-hmm. and planted them, and they germinate. Mm, yeah. And, and and so that's kind of the thing about the parables. They're kind of like sometimes that seed that gets planted that just can can sit there in your craw for a while and you're wondering, yeah. you don't understand it. Be and it just deep makes, in your subconscious yeah. from Sunday then, school at eight years old, you know. And then something, you mm-hmm. know, the spirit's at work and, and the soil's been prepared and boom, takes root and grows. Sort of like time-release medicine, right? It just yeah. gradually. Yeah. You know, and I let's transition a little bit now into this whole question of Jesus being the Savior that everybody needs, but not necessarily the, the Savior that people want. Because I th- we, we talked about this earlier, um, 
over lunch is this whole question of, you know, the, the crowds expected something from Jesus. And by the way, Pastor Tim and I talked about this last week. We were talking about the Jesuses that we invent for ourselves. Yeah, yeah you know? that was a good one because, you know, I hadn't seen that one um, what was the name of that one? The movie you mentioned there? Dogma. A dogma. Yeah, not, I have to not watch a great that one. I, I've seen the I've seen the meme. Yeah, you know, with the body I, Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we also so, thought about uh, if you. Although ever, I heard you didn't recommend the movie. No, don't, don't recommend it. <laughs> but I I, I want to watch it just because of that though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to kind of see what what you're talking about. But yeah, no, I I I think there's this. I mean, we get the especially in Mark's gospel, this every time Jesus does something mm-hmm. that you would think he would want everybody to go run and tell. Yeah, right. Heal somebody or something, and, and, and we call it, you know, the messianic kind of secret or thing or whatever. Why why wouldn't he want people to go? And it's because their expectation of Messiah and Savior was so mm-hmm. wrapped up in the political, you know, the one who's going to throw out the Romans, the one who's going to establish this new physical kingdom of David, yeah. and we're going to be back to the power of Israel that we used to be. Mm-hmm. And 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 so, and, and not just that, there's some who are looking for, you know, uh, along with the political, there's, there's just different aspects that people are looking for. None of it, most of it, in that day, uh, in Jesus' day, would have ever thought that it's going to end at the cross. No, right, that's the big secret right that was that one mm-hmm. and the problem was all of those other things would derail that eventual end you, you so, kind of see that in the in the temptation a little bit too yeah. right that jesus's temptation is in some part to do what the crowds want and you get that from his brothers too in john chapter 7 i think yeah you know do a big miracle and you know some people some modern people i think will say Gosh, you know, if God would just reveal himself to me in a, in a sign, if he would just make it obvious for me, then I'd believe. But th- the problem is that no matter what sign we receive, it has to be interpreted through the heart. And if the heart's not right, then the sign doesn't really matter. So, for example, think of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by Jesus, and, and all these people saw it, and some believed, but some went and told the authorities, right? Yeah. And they were hardened. And and you even have, you know, what's Herod looking for? A miracle worker. Yeah. You know, Jesus comes to him. He's been hearing the stories. He wants to see him. And when he refuses to do it, sends him back to Pilate. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the expectation of some... And that's where, you know, even today, there's a lot of people who are like, well, it would it would be great if God would just, you know, plant this big sign, boom, you know, yeah. blinking, and then I'll know. Or if I open up my Bible and stick my finger in there and the verse pops right. up in my, you know, then then I know that God's, you know, got a message for me, and this is, this is, you know. And, the, and of course, the problem with all of this is Hebrews tells us in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Mm-hmm. It always goes back, needs to always go back to Jesus, and, and that's yeah. where we discern, you know, that that this is really, and, and ultimately, if it goes back to Jesus, it goes back to the cross. It goes back to his mm-hmm. suffering and his death. Yeah, and so you have Paul who says, I preach Christ crucified, uh, which is folly and, and moronic to the world, but it's uh, and it looks weak to the world too, but it's the power and the wisdom of God to those mm-hmm. who are being saved. Yeah, and I, I think that this whole question of 
the Jesus that we need versus the Jesus that we want. It was it was uh, an issue back then. It's also an issue now. I think that a lot of American people maybe have this vision of Jesus that maybe doesn't fit with the parables, right? Um, and I think that sometimes even, you know, in, in politics, you know, whether it be left or right, I think the left and right politically both have their ideas of what Jesus should be and what he should do, what he should represent. And then you have the message of the church, which is we preach Christ crucified and everything flows from that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is a stumbling block. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, and it's interesting because it's not just, I mean, certainly, obviously the greatest example of that is, but, but we do the same thing with our leaders, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I can't even remember my, my, my daughter's been into all the Marvel universe stuff and, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and oh, actually I think it was Batman, you know, where, where at the end of, uh, um, the dark Knight, um, it, it's not the, he's not the hero we wanted or not the hero we, we desired or whatever, but it's the one we need or something. Mm-hmm. I don't right. know if you remember that line, but I think I do. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, there's this idea of, our conversion, to, uh, our our coming to know Christ, I, I think it, it really does involve this gradual reshaping of how we behold Jesus and what we expect from him. That's part of our growth in him is that we learn to expect new things and pray for better things than maybe your best life now or whatever. You yeah. Know. Well, and, and I think that's the, you know, what we, I mean, let's face it, if we, if we got the kind of Savior we want, Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, 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 we wouldn't have a chance. We wouldn't. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't we would, be good. Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, um, God is merciful in not giving us what we want sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. So let's just take a, a few minutes here and let's just think through these. Going back to the parable, mm-hmm. we talked about the purpose of parables. Let's go back to the parable which we both preached on. And how do we as pastors observe this kind of play out sometimes? I mean, I think that this parable makes a lot of sense for a pastor because all of us can see this within ourselves to some degree, but but we see it play out in ministry. Um, so, for example, you know, and I would say that this whole scenario that we're doing uh, with the seed casting and the different results, that happens every time you preach. I mean, this parable plays itself out every yeah. time you preach the word of God. Uh, yeah, I always like it when somebody comes after you. Oh, you, you were you were preached that one about me, didn't you? And it's <laughs> like, um, yeah, I was thinking specifically about you when I was when I was sitting down writing that sermon. No, I mean that's not. The, but that's maybe the, the Holy Spirit. Was. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit, exactly. <laughs> right, right, but I mean, yeah. I mean that's just it. I mean, there's there's times where you look at um, you're preaching a sermon and you can kind of see. For some people, the light bulb going on. Some people are really intently into what you're saying. Other people are kind of like that hard path. I mean, you're wondering if they're even there, yeah. you know, at the moment that you're preaching. And then, then you know, you got the 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 ones who um, they you can see almost see in their eyes that the, they're they're taking it in and, and soaking it up. Um, you can see the other people are pulling out their phone. That's probably the distractions, you know, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. part of that one. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at unless they're looking at their Bible verse, you know, or something that that would be a good thing. But yeah, one of the things I appreciate appreciate about um, 
you know, some churches is where the, the crowd is used to saying like, amen, like, yeah. amen, preach it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of encouraging because then you know <laughs> that people are, there's this back and forth, like, and it's even interesting in preaching. Sometimes I will preach to one service and then to another service. And one service, I can just kind of feel like these people are getting it. And then another service, I'm like, is anybody awake here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to preach for institutional field work in St. Louis and in this inner city um, nursing home. And uh, that was part of our requirement for the, the class. And, and so it was very, you know, Medicaid type of facility, um, almost everyone African-American. And now... You know, I'm not used to that. I start preaching and, amen, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. And and I'll tell you what, you get into it. You After get, about, like, you know, a couple minutes, it's like you start feeding into it a little bit now. It's never happened in, you know, but kind of a classic. But here's the danger is, is that that also, though, can be just simply somebody yeah. saying it to say it. Not necessarily they're into it. They just, mm-hmm. okay you know, amen, brother, but they're not really. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to sometimes have. It's kind of both, right? Because like you could, I really appreciate, you know, churches where there's like a lot of visible life and the way that people are responding. They're saying like, hey, amen, you know, that's connect. Because that tells me, hey, that's connecting with me. Tell me more. But then also, you know, sometimes these stoic German people, you know, (laughs) which that's my heritage. Yeah, mine too. Is that, you know. Like, I will listen to a sermon, and I'll be, like, tracking with it, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm just absorbing it in my kind of stoic, Germanic way. I'm a little Danish, too. I think that that same kind of thing, though, right? You know, yeah. um, not to say that all German people are stoic, right? That would be a stereotype. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the culture of, you know, kind of German Lutheran churches is sometimes very solemn. But to know that the Word of God is working not because of any visible reaction that I'm seeing. Because even that can be fleeting. It can be sort of like the immediately they receive it with joy and then immediately they... Choke down. Or, you know, yeah. doesn't have any roots. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, you know, that's, I think, as we look at those, the, you know, because sometimes there's those who have said, you know, this maybe we ought to call this the parable of the four soils instead mm. of, you know, um, because you kind of... You know, the, there's no doubt of the efficacy of the word, and and yeah. and we hear in the Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 55 about that. Um, but as I as I think about it, um, you know, the the this hearing of the word, it's 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 there. We we listen to it all the time, but the the way that it's received, that's that's always hard for us to to gauge or, or understand. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, even my vicarage congregation, my, my vicarage pastor said, there's a guy, Calvin's his name. He sits right up in the front, and you'll think that he's asleep. Mm-hmm. And he will be leaned over, and he will, but I can guarantee you that guy is listening to every single thing you say. Mm-hmm. He is intently listening. And I know he was because he'd come up to you afterwards and talk to you about what you said. Mm-hmm. And and um, so... On the on the one hand, as a pastor, we can kind of think, oh, the, everybody loved that sermon as you're walking out and they say something to you. But on the other hand, you're you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I, I, I God's word really hammered and and did its purpose there in the law and the gospel. 
and then all of a sudden you you kind of walk away and you think you know did it really i don't know mhm yeah and that's one of the most encouraging things in ministry <clears throat> is when you have somebody who all of a sudden my allergies are just hitting me that's okay excuse me um when you have somebody who who shares with you verbally what the Word of God has done for them internally because it, it takes a little bit for, for somebody to cross that threshold to tell you what God's Word did to them, how it impacted them, and so that's always encouraging. So I think that kind of leads us into, in conclusion here, uh, a point of application. Pastor Tim and I always like to give people something to apply to their lives. And so what's maybe some encouragement that you would share for us uh, from this, this parable of the sower? Well, I think um, <clears throat> obviously, um, at least from where one of the things that I, that I focused in on in my particular um, sermon was um, the fact that, that, that God is generous with his word. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I think has been evident even in the midst of what we've had to deal with with COVID and the shutting down of churches is, is, man, there are all kinds of ways that we can get God's word into mm-hmm. our lives, and and so whether it's online devotions or or um, you know I, one of the things I like to do as I'm preparing a sermon is um, I've got this um, you know audio recording of the scriptures, mm-hmm. and I'll just just pull up the the chapter before the chapter after and the chapter you know. Um, of the the part of the text and i'll just put it like on my ipod and listen to it or not ipod anymore but you know Mm -hmm. my phone or whatever and and listen to that and just to hear somebody else speak that repeatedly you know i I wanted to check out you guys mentioned some kind of a a thing that drops beats on it on yeah i like some beats on it yeah you know Mm -hmm. so so i think and, and then not only that but just um the different you know uh, translations. Uh, I know you guys have talked about that too. You know that have kind of one of your pastor questions things about, you know, sometimes reading something in the message or looking mm-hmm. at it in a, the NLT versus the ESV or whatever. Man, we can just find so many ways to just allow God's word to take root in our lives, including worship opportunities we have in in, mm-hmm. in our church and and Bible study opportunities and things like that. I think the more that, and, and this fits your, your sermon theme right now, the more we root ourselves in mm-hmm. God's word, the more that those other things that are described there, the, you know, the birds, which uh, later on Jesus says that's the devil coming, the evil one coming to, to, to snatch it away, or the, the cares and concerns of this world that choke it out, you know, um, those, those kinds of things, um, hopefully lesson and we we are you know really grounded firmly in the word which as lutherans shouldn't we be i mean there there is a real encouragement here for us to always be in the word as i think luther once said that the christian is a creature of the word that we live on god's words Um, it's our daily bread and so for us as christians to be regularly exposing ourselves our hearts and our minds to the means of grace uh remembering our baptism coming to worship uh, 
or if you're at home right now because of COVID watching it, uh, participating, speaking those words, whether it be the psalm or the creed, and, uh, and then just being under the preaching of God's word. And because you can be sure that if you are hearing God's word, that the Holy Spirit is at work. Because wherever wherever the word is, the spirit is right, and, yeah. and so and that's what that's where you get the kind of the reaffirmation or the encouragement to us in Isaiah fifty five, mm-hmm. God's word, um, you know, that He sends out will accomplish its purposes, and and that's where I think particularly some of the things that we sometimes, as we think about a practical application of this, mm-hmm. is um, we're also sowers. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so. Um, we need to be careful about thinking that, um, oh, I, I'm going to kind of be limited in, in how often I sow or what I sow or whatever, mm-hmm. versus look how liberally mm. the sower in the parable yeah. is sowing in places where you wouldn't necessarily think. And that's where kind of like that concept we talked about with the parable where it sits in there and it just kind of germinates and or, mm. or it's yeah. it's kind of buried for a while. but. But someday maybe it takes root, and that's where, you know, that passage in in First Corinthians three, where where it talks about I planted the seed, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. That Paul talking there, mm-hmm. it's always God who gives the growth. It's always the Holy Spirit working in the Word. Yeah, and we don't know when that's going to happen, or how it's going to happen, or how somebody, maybe the Lord through some of the things that are going on in a person's life, is preparing their heart to receive that Word. But what we can do is broadly mm-hmm. broadcast that word sow it yeah i think i think that applies especially to say you know family members or neighbors uh, yeah. people that you know that you really long for them to know jesus and and i i see this in families especially where you maybe you have um, there's a spouse or maybe there's a child or a grandchild who's just wandering from the word and and maybe they would say that they're christian but their affections are just not for jesus and and you know, maybe they have doubts or maybe they're just caught up in the ways of the world. And on the one hand, I think there's a temptation for us to say, oh, well, I think that person's really okay. <clears throat> that person's fine, rather than being honest and, and saying, no, I, I don't I don't have, I don't believe this person's right with the Lord. That there's a relationship there that's that's growing, that's rooted. Uh, but but I think that we need to take great courage in knowing that I can continue to sow this word and I can continue to pray that the word that has been sown, whether it has been through confirmation or your own words or through sermons or that 18 years they went to church before they left, you know, that that, that word is in there somewhere. And like mm-hmm. you talked about, you know, that seed being found in a pyramid from thousands of years ago, that word that was heard, you know, years or decades ago, the Holy Spirit can immediately make that take root and it can yeah. grow. And so, you know, and the reality, of course, is is that some people will continue to resist even though God reaches out to them. And, and so, but we don't ever want to lose hope as Christians. We want to continue to sow the word, to pray, to be encouraged that that, that word can take root. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you're if you're familiar with Dr. Schmidt from seminary. Um, you know, he he talks about in particularly regards to kind of this paradox of, on the one hand, God's word is all powerful mm-hmm. in relationship to this text here, 
but on the other hand, it can still be resisted. Yeah, um, it's that classic question of, you know, we know that our, our salvation, even, even our receiving of Christ is entirely a work of God, you know. I cannot by my own reason or strength. Exactly, yep. right. It's, it's completely God's work. Uh, and yet, if we don't believe, then the scriptures places the places so it on us. us. That yeah. it, it's like Jesus says to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know how long I've I've wanted to gather you, like a chick, or like chicks under a, a hen's wings, but you were not willing. Uh, so ultimately, that divine paradox, that mystery, God holds that of why some believe and some don't, but but we are busy with the work, right? We, yeah. once again, we we scatter the seed and, and God does the rest. rest. Yeah. So uh, I have to ask before we conclude, I have two requests of you, a question and then a favor. Uh, the, the question is, are you going to be preaching next week then on the parable of the field? Um, you know, I haven't really looked to next week's, but I'm, I assume I am. I am preaching, so yeah, okay. I probably will. I haven't yet. Okay, well, now you have to because we talked about parables, <laughs> right? I, I'm going to be preaching uh, this next week on the parable of the field, and that's an interesting one to interpret, too. Uh, yeah, so, and then the next is a favor. You've got you to gotta tell us a dad joke. Yeah, Because well, the, the word on the street is that Pastor Rob is really good uh, at dad you jokes. You know, I, I call baseball games. Yeah. And so... Uh, on Father's Day, I was calling baseball games, and and throughout, in between the innings, I would I would tell dad jokes, you know, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is the one I was going to tell today, but you know, it's, um, you know, the baseball kept getting bigger, and then it hit me. <laughs> I told dad's bad, but here's here's my two dad jokes I did have prepared for today. The one is, okay. did you hear about the the little boy, um, who was named after his father? I haven't. Tell me. They call him Dad. <laughs> okay, uh, see, they're bad. That's that's a good dad <laughs> joke. Okay, the other one was um, about uh, a dad of of six kids, mm -hmm. big family, and and he won a toy at a raffle, and he had to to had to talk to the kids about who was going to get the toy. So he called them all together, and he says, "Well, okay, which one of you is always obedient mm -hmm. and never back talks your mother?" and does everything she says. And they said, okay, Dad, you can have the toy. <laughs> oh, okay, there you one. go. You know, I think that the, the test of a, of a good dad joke is that rather than laughter, there is a groan. Yeah, yeah. Like A couple yeah, groaners couple there for groans. sure. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Pastor Rob, thanks for being with us. Uh, uh, it was just a good time having you on the podcast. And uh, we'll be back at it next week. Pastor Tim will be back from vacation. And we'll be Hands talking up. next week about the parable of the field, which comes after the parable of the sower. Yeah, it was a honor and a privilege to, to be a part of it. So thank you. Good. And I'm, I'm sure there's uh, members here who remember you fondly and we're glad to hear you again. So, yeah. Yeah.